for the salvation of the Lord. I'm glad you're here today, fam. Uh, man, I'm excited to open God's word. Uh, we serve a God who is active. Man, we just, did you sense his presence here among us already at this morning to this point? Uh, he's not reluctant, like I said, when we started our service, and he's just so good to us. Um, I want to open up in a word of prayer. Uh, we're going to get digging into the scriptures. Uh, but let's, let's bow our heads as we, as we come to God. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus Christ, who has given us a reason to live. God, I thank you, Lord, that, he, that you are faithful. God, I thank you, God, that you meet us where we're at. And so, Lord, I, I pray that your spirit would uh, speak through me. You would quiet my heart, Lord, that you would empower me. God, may your word, may the scriptures, may Psalm 5 as we open it just come alive to us in this room today, God. And do whatever you need to do in each of us, God, whether it's to uh, encourage, to heal, to rebuke, to, to bless, to empower, whatever it might be, God, would you do it? Uh, Lord, we, we pray for our, our nation, God. Uh, we pray for uh, the different challenges we're facing economically. Um, God, we also, God, pray, uh, Lord, that you would do, do a work in the morality of our nation. God, I know many of us were just startled by uh, different laws that have been passed, even in New York, regarding late-term abortions. And Lord, we know that you are a God who is um, concerned about children in the womb. And Lord, uh, we believe that life happens at conception. And so, Lord, we know that there are many, many hurts and pains have come in our country. and We know that there are brothers and sisters in this room who've been uh, hurt and feel the stings of, of, of choices perhaps they've made to, be, to have an abortion or to uh, counsel someone to get one. And, um, and Lord, I know uh, for many there, there's so many hurts. And Lord, I know you are a God that heals. God, you're a God that brings life and forgiveness and that you desire for none to walk in guilt and shame. And so, Lord, I pray for that brother or sister who may be downcast today, even at me mentioning that, Lord. I don't mention it lightly, but Lord, I mention it knowing that you're a God who meets them in that place. But Lord, at the same time, God, I want us to be a church, God. I know you want us to be a church that's concerned about these matters. Lord, to be a voice for those who have no voice and to uh, pray and intercede for our nation, Lord. And God, we know there's so many complexities surrounding this debate, but God, we know that you are in favor of life. And God, we just want to hold on to you and pray, God, that you would protect us as we hold firm to your truths. And God, uh, across our country, God, and, um, there's just so many struggles, so many, um, so many things that would cause us as your, your followers to feel like we're, we're, on the, we're on the sideline. And Lord, even as we gathered this past Wednesday to pray, um, Lord, we're reminded that, that you say, blessed are those who are persecuted. God, we don't wish for persecution. We don't long for it. But God, I pray that we would not be those who avoid it by being silent. So may we speak up and be courageous and bold. Whatever the matter might be, matters of justice, matters of life, matters of truth, matters of morality, matters of conscience. Father, may we speak not as those who got our lives together. We know we don't. God, I pray that our world will not see us as hypocritical, not see us as judgmental. God, we don't want to be that. God, we just want to love what you love. And we know, Lord, that you've changed us and you've rearranged us and you've made us new. We just want people to experience that same newness of life. So, Father, help us be those representatives of you in our country, in our city, and to be that healing balm 
in the lives of many who are so broken as we are. We love you and we thank you for Jesus who is our hope and our forgiveness. We pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, fam, it's so good, like I said, to open God's word because I know that he meets us where we're at. I know even just praying, I meant to comment before I prayed and as I was praying, I just wanted to just get that out there. Um, I don't, I don't want to mask what I said in prayer and not just address you directly, family. Um, our country is constantly at a tipping point. And we just need to make sure we don't get our moral values by our political leaders or the laws that are in place. We, we need to hold on to God's word. All right? And I know a lot of us have experienced all kinds of hurts and heartaches by choices we've made and things that have been done to us, things that we've done. And, and I don't want to take any of that lightly, but I do want to say um, the reason we're here is because we, we serve a God who knows how to take our brokenness and our hurts and heal us for real. Like, heal us. Heal you with whatever wounds you carry. Like, God can heal you. And we believe that. And I'm not saying that tongue-in-cheek because I've seen the work he's done. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in my family. And I've seen it in the lives of you, my brothers and sisters. And so we just want to be that voice of truth. And also be that voice of hope and grace to those who are struggling with truth and hurting by choices. And so I, I just want to bring that before you, um, even as we, as we talk tonight. I'm not preaching about that today, um, but, but we need to hear this. We need to hear this. I was listening to a podcast recently, and the speaker was just grieving um, our lack of voice as a church in matters of life for the unborn. And um, I think sometimes because we've, we've hurt and we've, we've, we feel guilt and shame that or we don't want to hurt others, we don't talk about it. But that's not the answer either, right? The answer is to talk about it. And uh, we want to be in favor of life, and so as God is in favor of it. Um, well, that's a sidebar. Uh, I know it's a heavy one, but um, I want to pray again. I just ask God to just, just help us process that in the moment here and start digging into his word, because I think uh, he has something for us all in that place. God, I just thank you again, Lord. Um, that we don't have to speak as those who um, don't have answers. And, Lord, we certainly don't have answers to a lot of questions, but what we do know is that you are the answer to life. And so, God, uh, meet us here. May your spirit empower me and move us all, Lord. And would you do a sweet work uh, even now, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. This past uh, September, we had a, the Comeback Men's Retreat. And many of our brothers were there. Um, I was one of those guys that were there who needed a comeback, all right? I, 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 feel, I feel beat down by the world often. Any of you guys meet me that? Any guys that, with me in that place? Man, and you know what? What I feel like sometimes, man, as, as a follower of Jesus, sometimes I feel like, man, God, why can't I just always be good, right? Why can't I always be smooth? And, and it's just not like that. That's just not my experience. And I find myself constantly going back to the fact, like, God, I need a restart. God, I need a comeback. And, and sometimes I look back and I feel bad, like, God, why do I constantly need a comeback? And, and the truth is, I'm a broken person in a broken world. And at the men's retreat, I think it was Saturday morning, I got up and was trying to get some time with the Lord because I was like, Lord, I'm just searching here. I need a restart. I'm feeling stuck. And as I opened his word, he brought me to Psalm 5. And there's a verse in Psalm 5, verse 3, which says, Lord, in the morning, you hear my voice. In the morning... I prepare my sacrifice to you and watch. And I could not help but have all these words, morning, prepare, hear, watch, sacrifice. They just jumped out to me. 
And what God was revealing to me is that he wants me to give my voice to him at the first thing of every day. I've been thinking about doing this series, which we've titled 24-7, for about a year now. Just thinking about, man, when's the right time to bring it? Because um, I, was, I was thinking about the TV show 24. Any of you guys Jack Bauer fans? All right, I, know you're, I know you're out there. Can you believe that thing started in 2001? All right? I just made you feel old. I know that, right? And it, it aired till about 2010, and there's been other spinoffs since. We never really got into it. We did it one season. It was cool. But one thing I, I liked about it is if you don't know the story, it, it follows the 24-hour day of Jack Bauer, played by Kiefer Sutherland. He's, a, he's an edu- agent, a special agent in the Counterterrorism Unit for America, the CTU. And his job is when something comes up for him to, and his team to, to uh, put away whatever threat is happening to the country. And so the TV show starts, the first episode is at one particular moment of the day, and then every episode covers another hour or so until the entire 24-hour period is done, and he always comes to a resolution at the end of it all. Spoiler alert, sorry. I was thinking about that, like, man, so we're getting a sneak peek into the 24-hour day of a CTU agent. What would it look like if we had a camera on a follower of Jesus, and what would a 24-hour day look like for us? Similarly, we're facing crises like Jack Bauer. Sometimes it feels like life or death. Sometimes we got to watch our back because we don't know what's going on. There's been times where he was like, hey, I thought you were my teammate, but I don't know about you now. I mean, like we, we go through life suspicious, struggling. And I thought, man, what would it look like for us to follow a Christian, follow ourselves for a 24-hour period? And that's kind of how this series 24-7 was birthed. What would it look like for us in our rhythm of life? And as I thought about my experience with Psalm 5 in the morning, and I thought about this series, I thought, okay, what does life look like from the moment we wake up to when our head hits the pillow? Last week we saw how the overarching theme in the Christian life is to seek first, not second, to seek first, not third, but to seek first God's kingdom. And the kingdom has a king, and in that mindset is to say, God, I want to put you as first in my life, not just first in sequence, but first in mindset. And so when I think about that, I say, okay, that's the overarching time, but, but what about putting him first in sequence from the moment we wake up? What does your 24 look like? Maybe you woke up at 6.43 last week, Wednesday, and you woke up a little late. So you're rushing to work, and you get out of the house, and then you can't find your keys. You take another 10 minutes, but then you realize they're in your back pocket. Another amen? It's 7.17, and you're now on the Kennedy, and you're sitting in traffic. Now you're discouraged that you left late. You're anxious because you're about to get to work late. And you put on Caleb because it's positive encouraging. <laughs> but you realize I'm just mad because I'm late, and the person in front of me doesn't know how to use their gas pedal. You pull into work at 8.13, and your boss guys that look on their face. Not only are they mad that you're late, but they're also mad because last month's numbers just came in and they're not where they're supposed to be. By the time it's 9.15 a.m., you're thinking, my goodness, I got a lot to do before lunch. I got goals to report. I got orders to process, emails to reply to, and a sales call to make all before lunch happens. So you're getting on your grind, trying to stay busy. 
And then that smooth-talking Casanova, he shows up at your desk, or that woman who's quite attractive shows up at your desk, and you're thinking, I don't have time for this right now. The struggle is real. So you put your head down, you keep working, and you're smelling their cologne, you're smelling their perfume, you say, you know what, I need a break. I'm going to go to, to the coffee room, and you sit there to get a cup of coffee, and there's two more coworkers talking about their last weekend. And you're thinking, this is not a good conversation for me to hear. But at the end of the day, it's funny, it's humorous, so you feel a little drawn into it, and you kind of snap out of it, get back to work, and it's finally lunchtime. You pull out your sandwich, you realize you only got 15 minutes to eat, and so you have your sandwich in one hand, and what's in your other hand? be honest, it's your phone. You're on Facebook, and you're scrolling through, and all of a sudden you're starting to feel bad because everyone else looks so happy. Everyone seems like they got it all together. There's a family there, and you don't have a family. You see kids that are smiling, and you can't think about how hard time you're having with yours. You put your phone away, you finish your sandwich, you say, I got to get back to work. You get back to the grind, and you're looking at the clock, and now it's 440, and you're supposed to punch out at 530, but you realize the boss is gone already, so you think, should I leave a little early? You go ahead and do it, think, what harm is that? You jump in your car, and then you do what you did early in the morning, sit in traffic. You might even recognize a few cars from time to time, saying, I was next to them this morning. You get home, it's now 630, and you realize, oh, I haven't eaten dinner yet. There's homework to do. I didn't go to the gym, but who wants to do that anyway? So you start preparing dinner, and then you realize there's clothes in the washing machine for two days, so they're smelling mildewy, right? You've been there. You're on the grind, and finally you're finished dinner. You help the kid with homework, and you're finally thinking, man, it's me time. But you realize it's 9.30. But you got to get caught up on that Netflix show, right? So you get caught up on your Netflix show and you watch one too many episodes. It's 11 o'clock and you're thinking, I got to get my butt to bed. And you lay in bed and you look back over your day and then you look ahead and say, this is happening again tomorrow. <laughs> Anybody say amen to this scenario? Can you, tell, can you say the struggle is real? Can you say the struggle is personal? It sure is. What I want to submit to you today is that seeking first God's kingdom is a matter of mindset that infuses every aspect of what I just talked about. But what I want to zero in on today is those waking moments of your day. Is that it's what you do when your eyes open and things get rolling. For some of us, we realize that moment is like the worst moment of your day. It's when you wake up and you think, oh no, it's coming. And for other of us, we feel anticipation. What do you do when you first wake up? What we're going to do is take a look at Psalm 5 and see what King David did when he first woke up. What we're going to see is that God calls you and I to open our day by nourishing our faith, by having personal time with God. And what you will see is how God then guides you throughout the craziness of this 24-hour period we just talked about. So would you meet me in the book of Psalm chapter 5? Psalms is the middle of your Bible pretty much. So if you open up your Bible straight to the middle and a little to the left, that's where you'll find Psalm 5. If you don't have a Bible, please take the one in front of you. And would we all rise to our feet if you're able to? I want to read all of Psalm 5. I'm going to focus in only on certain verses this morning. 
But I want you to get a taste of someone who understands that the struggle is real and someone who understands that it's personal to see what they do in the midst of that. Psalm chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch, for you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out, for they have rebelled against you. Verse 11. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord, and you cover him with favor as with a shield. This is God's word. You may be seated. This is a psalm written by a guy who understands that the struggle is real. We see different sneak peeks of what David is talking about. Look at verse 4. He says he knows when he enters his day, he's going to be confronted with the wicked. And he says, for you are not a God who delights in wickedness. He looks at verse 5. He talks about the boastful who will not stand before him. So the wicked people are those who have no conviction when they sin. The boastful are those who take recognition for their own achievements. He says in verse 6, there are those who speak lies. There's no truth in verse 9 of those people. They cover up their ways. He says that there are bloodthirsty people whose throats are an open grave in verse uh, 6 and 9. He speaks of deceitful people who flatter with their tongues. And ultimately he says in verse 10 that there are people in his life who rebelled against God. What David is basically saying is, he's like, look, I know what it's like to wake up in the morning and know that situations are going to be coming your way that are going to be difficult. In fact, David's like, I know what it's like to wake up in the morning and have people who literally hate you, people who hate what you stand for, people who want to see you trip and fall. David's like, I know what that's like. He knows that the struggle is real. He knows what it's like when you're faced with all kinds of pressures. But then he says in verses 11 and 12, let all who take refuge in you rejoice. David goes on to say, hey, look, there's a reason, though, to hope, even though I'm going to be confronted with things today that are not pleasant. And so when I read this psalm, I'm led to think, okay, what is it about his 24-hour period that allows him to step into all kinds of madness and come out singing to God with joy. 
I want to know that answer. What, what is it about his life? Now, I don't know what scenarios you're going through, but even as I read out that typical 24-hour period, many of you can add other things in there. You can add the own temptations you carry. You can add conflict in your life. You can add your bank account struggles. You can add health problems. You can add all kinds of things. And I'm, I'm like you. I want to know, how do I then lay my head at bed at night and rejoice in the Lord? Well, for David, we see that he, the secret to his hope and joy begins on how he starts his day. I want to zero in on a number of things. The first thing that we see in King David, who wrote this psalm, the first thing we see is, yeah, the struggle is real. Yeah, it's personal. But he goes on to show us that his God is real and that his God is personal. When you wake up in the morning and you know that your struggles will be met with a God who is more real than they are, it changes your outlook. Let's take a look at what he says here in verse 1. He says, give ear to my words. Notice the pronoun there, my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my king and my God. For to you do I pray. David is acknowledging the personal nature of his struggle. And he also acknowledges the personal nature of his God. He says, God, you are my king and my God. See, when we wake up each morning and we live with the recognition that our God is a real God who is personal and that he is king, we are acknowledging the fact that there is not a moment in the day ahead of you that he is not sovereign over. We're acknowledging that God is in control of everything you're going to face as you start out your day. And for David, that is central to his hope. Not only does he say, my, my God and my king, but he says in verse 3, Oh, Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. He's saying that the, listening, the living God is a listening God. God isn't reluctant when you pray. He's not overbooked when you pray. He's not preoccupied. He's not too busy. He's not overwhelmed. And so what David does, he opens his eyes and realizes God is real, he is personal, and he's going to listen to me. That changes the way we perceive our day. So the first thing he shows is that God is a personal and real, and he's as personal and real as our struggle is. The second thing I want us to look at here is the timing of David's recognition. He says in verse 3, two times, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. I want to get extra practical for you here, guys. I want to appeal to you as a follower of Jesus, if that's what you are, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're a follower of Jesus, to start your day every day with personal time with God in the morning. Now, yes, God will meet you in the evening. In fact, uh, I was looking at Matthew 14, 23, Jesus himself spent time with his father in the evening. Yes, God will meet you at your lunch break. He can do that. But I want to submit to you that there is something special about getting up an extra 30 minutes early to spend time with him. Let me give you some verses here about the morning time. I want you to write these down if you've got a journal with you, and I hope you do. Psalm 59, verse 16 says, But I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. 
Psalm 88, 13. But I, O Lord, cry to you in the morning. My prayer comes before you. Psalm 119, verse 147. I rise before dawn and cry for help. Isaiah 33, verse 2. O Lord, be gracious to us. We wait for you. Be our arm every morning. Isaiah 50, verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with the word who is weary. Who is weary. Morning by morning, he awakens me. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. Or take Jesus' example, Mark 1.35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Or Luke 21.38. And early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. There is a reason why God wants us to start our morning, our day, from the moment we wake to be with him. And I know some of you out here work nights, and your morning is like 3 p.m. So I want to tell you, like, we're not saying, hey, get up after two hours of sleep. I'm saying, first thing when you wake up, to give your first fruits of your energy to God. Think about this. The opening of your eyes represents the dawn of a new day. It is the threshold of a new moment. It is almost like an invitation to what's in front of you. And you can keep your eyes closed all you want, but if you're awake, you know it's coming. And so why not start that moment by spending time, personal time, with your God, who is your king? Jesus tells us to seek first the kingdom, which is a matter of sequence, but it's a matter of sequence, which means we start our day with him as well as a mindset. And on top of that, We've got to walk with a wartime mentality. We've got to start our day like we're going to battle. If we walk passively, we're going to get hit with all kinds of arrows from the evil one and from our own lust and our own weakness, our own flesh. Not only does God want to prepare us for the battle, but he also wants to prepare you to give counsel. You see, first thing in the morning, spending time with him, when you walk into your day, when you go to work, are, are you the person who's like the office counselor? I know some of you feel that way. Someone's texting you. Someone's asking, what would you, asking, what would you do in this situation? Well, when you spend time with the Lord, first thing in the morning, you're prepared for that. God wants to empower you from the moment you start. So what David is doing here, he's showing us, oh yeah, God is personal. He hears me. And because I know he's personal and hears me, I start my day in the morning crying out to him. Each morning, we have a prime opportunity to meet with God. That's how we're called to start our day. And then he says, in the morning, you hear my voice. In the morning, I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. Now, this word sacrifice is actually not a word in the original Hebrew. What it says is literally something to the effect of, in the morning, I present it before you and watch. And so many wonder, what is King David presenting before God? And in the context, he mentions entering his temple. So many think well, he's presenting a sacrifice, which may indeed be the case. Some wonder, is he saying, I'm presenting my prayer before you, God, and I watch. Or some have said, maybe he's saying, God, I'm presenting my case before you because the evildoers are waiting for me, and so I'm going to watch what you're going to do about that. Whatever the case is, David is coming before God to present before him what's on his heart. And what he's doing is saying, God, I'm starting my day bringing before you what I know is ahead of me, what's awaiting me. 
David goes on to say in verse 7, But I, through this abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down towards your holy temple in the fear of you. That's the posture of one who comes before God. And just as David comes before God with his sacrifice, um, I believe by application for us, how do we spend our morning hours, our morning time with God? What do we do when we spend time with him from the moment we wake up? If I'm advocating that. Well, there's a number of things I want to I harp on by way of application. I, I want to press this upon you. The first thing is to spend time to pray with God first thing in the morning. I, I, I want us to, to, to pause with him. Notice the different words David gives for prayer in verses 1 and 2. He says, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning and give attention to the sound of my cry. You notice those three words? My words, my groaning, my cry. What David is saying is when I come before the Lord, I could bring before him my audible prayers, but there are times I've got inaudible ones. There's this groaning in my heart because I'm weighed down with things. And I'm also bringing my cry to God. There's emotion that's laced in my prayers. And so what I want to appeal to you to do is when you, in your morning time, spend time with the Lord, start it with prayer, whether it be your words or your groaning or your cry. I love how Scripture says that the Spirit intercedes for us. He helps us know how to pray. And for many of us, this is a new thing, to start your day in prayer. But I want to appeal to you to not multitask your time with the Lord either. I find myself doing that. I'm praying as I'm making coffee. And that's good. Go ahead and do it. But God's like, stop for a moment. Cry out to me. Give me your words. Let let me see your groaning. Come to me. Pause. So the first thing I just want you to do is, as part of your offering, part of this sacrifice, is to pray. The second thing that accompanies prayer is confession. Confession. When I read this psalm and I see David bringing before God his complaint about his enemies, I see David doing a number of things. In doing so, it's not just David's not just mad at his enemies, but I think he's also wearied by them. And when we come to God, confess, we say, God, I'm just, I'm weary by the battle. God, I, I know what confronts me at 1030 today in the office. So God, I'm confessing my neediness to you. In addition to that, we confess our sin to God. We, we, we bring it before him. I think confession of our sins becomes a kind of a lost art in many of our circles. I think many of us have been raised more of a Catholic church setting. And the Catholic church has a very strong emphasis on confession, doesn't it? Confessing your sins in particular to a priest. And as those of us who understand that we can come before God directly, sometimes in that freedom, we actually forget the very thing that God calls to do, which is confession. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That's not just confessing our sin when we first put our faith in Jesus, but it's a daily confessing to him, yes, our need and also our sin. In fact, James 5.16 says, confess your sins to one another. And that's another thing in confession we need to learn to do. Not that you go and put on Facebook all the sins you're struggling with, all right? But there may be one or two people in your life, ladies, another sister, men, another brother, that you need to come and confess your sin to. Unconfessed sin to God and unconfessed sin to even a brother or a sister 
has a way of causing us to isolate from God and from our brother and our sister. Confession is guilt's kryptonite, family. And when we fail to confess, we allow guilt and shame to set in. And so when we bring our offering to God in the morning, we bring our sacrifice, we come to him in prayer, we, we thank him for who he is with gratitude, we give praise to his name for who he is, we also confess our sin and our need for God in that moment of prayer. Confession is a powerful thing. In fact, Psalm 119 verse 10 says, With my whole heart I seek you, let me not wander from your commandments. And sometimes that's what that confession looks like. God, I'm just so weak. I'm just so beaten down by the rhythms of life, and I find myself wandering. Lord, let me not wander from your commandments. So David tells us to bring our sacrifice before our God who hears us through prayer and by application in confessing our sin. Thirdly, what I want to add here, which is not in the text, but it is part of our 24-hour routine to spend time in the Word every morning, in this Bible, in this, this scriptures. We call this the Word of God, and let, let not that Word uh, become dull to us. It's God's words. <laughs> like God speaks through it. He has something to tell you here in this book. And this book is alive. It is active, and our God is alive, and He is active. And so He invites you to open it up and learn from Him. The psalmist here, he says, in the morning, I prepare a sacrifice for you. I love that word prepare because what he's saying is, I'm going to come intentionally into your presence. I got a plan. A lot of times when I talk with different brothers and sisters and I've seen in my own life, when I'm feeling like my time in the word is difficult, my time with the Lord in the morning is difficult, it's usually because I don't have a plan anymore. I've become too nonchalant. And so here, here's the plan. It's to spend time praying, confessing your sin, and then opening the Bible. And part of that preparation is say, okay, what am I going to read? I just, don't do like the Russian roulette scripture, you know, we're just kind of flipping around. No, get in the Word and say, okay, where am I going to start? And so I appeal to you, start at the beginning of a book of the Bible. Start in the beginning of Mark or Philippians. Start in chapter 1. That's how you prepare because when you do that, it establishes then consistency. Because if you read Philippians 1 today, what are you going to read tomorrow? Well, Philippians 2, right? And so you're not wondering, what am I going to do? You're prepared in God's presence, saying, God, I want you to speak to me here. It develops uh, understanding. You understand what God is saying throughout a book of the Bible. And it builds anticipation because you're like, what's next? What's in the next chapter? See, this is how we prepare our offering before the Lord. So you read prayerfully. You confess your sins. And I would tell you, family, get a pen and write in your Bible. It's not a sin to write in the Bible. All right? Like, mark it up. I've, I, honestly, I've made a personal goal to make a marking in every chapter in the Bible. And when I finish a Bible, um, I put that one away, and I buy the same one, because I, I just have this, this way I memorize things. I, I know, like, well, that verse is in the top left-hand corner, you know, kind of thing. And I start new. And I go through every chapter, however long it takes me. And when I finish that one, I put it away. And then I get another one. And I keep doing that because, first of all, what I want to do is the word to stay fresh. It gives me a goal. I, I love goals. I love challenges. And so if I see a, a page that has no writing on it, i got to read that. You know, so that's how I do it. And another thing that I, I'll do one day is my kids get older. I want to give them these Bibles. That's kind of a family heirloom. 
that their dad is marked up. I know Erica does some similar things like that. Have a plan. Get in the word. Be in prayer. Confess your sins. Say, God, I need you. I need you. Also, as part of that, sing praise to God. Start singing when you're alone with God. He knows you sing bad. He doesn't mind. Just sing to him. I love how the psalmist says that in verse 11. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy. If you've got joy because of the Lord, sing it. Sing it to him. Make up a song if you've got to. Just sing to him. That's part of your offering. David knows that the struggle is real. He knows what it's like. He's got wickedness around him. People who are bloodthirsty, he says. The boastful are there. People who are deceitful. He's like, my life is a mess. But he says, I will sing praises to God because I believe David knows how to start his day. He starts his day with his God. From the moment he wakes up, he's bringing his offering to his God because he knows his God will hear his voice. His God is not reluctant. So he brings this sacrifice of prayer, the sacrifice of confession, this offering of the word, this offering of song. And then that last two words of verse 3. He does this. He says, and I watch and watch. Because we multitask so often our relationship with Jesus, there's really not much time to watch. There's not much time to listen to what God wants to tell us. And so as we pause our hearts, as we start our day, it's okay for there to be silent and say, God, what do you want to show me here? God, who, who are you going to bring my way today? God, what do you want to show me in my heart that I just got to deal with? How am I blinded to my shortcomings and failure? I'm watching here, God. I'm bringing my sacrifice. And so that same kind of watchfulness then takes us throughout our day. And we'll talk more about that next time. We just watch God at work through the mundane of life. David says that our God is a shield to those who seek him and they find favor in God's sight. So I appeal to you, set your clock a little earlier. So when you wake up, you're not rushing out. You have time with Jesus. When you're sitting in traffic, you have to be a little more quicker to be patient and to trust God. When you get to work at 8.13 a.m. and your boss is looking at you sideways, and you look at him and you say, all right, I'm going to pray for my boss because I know my boss got issues in their own life. And I'm just here as an employee, but there's something bigger at stake here. When the boss says the numbers came in from last month and they're lower than they needed to be, and you get to your desk and you get on your grind, not because you want to please your boss. You're more ready to please your God. And when that fragrant person walks by your desk, you're more prepared to keep your head down, to guard your heart. You're going to engage in conversation. You know how to keep your heart guarded because the Spirit has helped you as you watched for Him in the morning. And when you're at your lunch break, maybe you're less quick to get on Facebook. You just choose that time to read another passage or to pray for the next few hours in your work day. And when you get home after your long day, 
Yeah, you're tired. But you know, the struggle is real, but your God is real. And so you're able to get strength in Him even as you cook dinner in full clothes. You do it all for His glory until you put your head at the pillow at night. You see, oftentimes the way we start our day does send us in a trajectory. And what God does, He invites us. He says He's the living God. He's the listening God. So why not start your day with Him? This is how our 24 ought to begin, fam. So let's do so trusting Him. You see, what Jesus has done is He is that ultimate sacrifice that's made a way for us to have a relationship with God by canceling the debt of sin. And what a privilege it is then to know our God personally. So let's enjoy that. If you don't know our God personally like this, if you carry the debt and the weight and the guilt of the choices you've made and the sin, that's what the Bible calls it, when we miss the mark, we miss God's law, we break his commands, it's in our heart. When you, you carry the weight of that, God offers you a cancellation of that sin to offer forgiveness. Because at the cross, Jesus took what you deserve, that's punishment. And in exchange, he offers you forgiveness. And because of that, you can know God and have a relationship with him. You can start your day with him. So I plead with you to do that today. I'm going to pray here in a moment and invite our worship team up as I pray. We're going to have a prayer team that comes forward as they do every week. We'd love for you to just get to one of these brothers and sisters and say, hey, would you pray for me to help me, that God would help me start my, my new week tomorrow in the morning with him, knowing that it's personal, the day is personal, but our God is personal as well. Let's pray, fam. Father in heaven, we are so thankful, God, that we can be here today entering the courts, so to speak, with our brothers and our sisters. And Lord, we come each week because we want to hear from you. We want to encounter you. We want you to instruct us. Sometimes, God, the instruction is just so simple as meet with me, to be with you, Lord. God, for, uh, for every child of yours here today, impress it on their heart to, to open your word tomorrow morning to pray to you, confess their sin to you, to sing to you, and say, Lord, get me started on the right, the right foot. God, for any who are here today who feel that distance from you because they've never turned to you, God, I pray that they would confess their sins, they would ask you for their forgiveness, for your forgiveness, Lord, and that you would bring them forgiveness and hope through Jesus. Oh, Lord, you're so good to us. And so, God, as we sing, as we get our hearts ready to enter into a new week, Lord, I pray that we do so with expectation wanting to hear from you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me, fam, and sing this closing song to God and uh, bring our prayers to him as well as our prayer team makes their way forward. Whoever lives in peace.
Savior. 